1: 18 or 80, crippled, blind, or crazy, I'm going dancing tonight. It don't matter which one gets a hold of me or I get a hold of them, you know. That's Hoot Gibson.
0: I met him at Arky Blue's Silver Dollar in Bandera, Texas. He's just one of many characters you'll hear from in Vanishing Postcards, a podcast where we explore the hidden dives, traditions, and frequently threatened histories discovered by exiting the highways. We don't give a flying flip for... (laughs) Most of your regular bar types. Featuring dispatches from the back roads, Vanishing Postcards is a touching, frequently humorous experience, perfect for when you need a breather but don't have the time or luxury of jumping in the car. I'm Evan Stern, and I invite you to join this ride by finding Vanishing Postcards
1: wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I am your host, Ryan Sprague. And with me today is one of my partners in crime over at The Debrief, but that's not all she's known for. She hosts a very popular podcast in Canada, and she also does a lot of work in the UFO field as well. So I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to talk about everything she's up to in and out of the UFO world. So with me today on Somewhere in the Skies is Chrissy Newton. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining me today for the first time. I can't believe I'm saying that. I know I'm
1: so excited I I love your podcast so when you asked me I was thrilled to be part of this
0: well thank you I uh, there's so much we could talk about and I know we have limited time so I'm just gonna cut to the chase um origin story you know every comic book has one how the person became who they were so um I know you've answered this in the past in other interviews but I would love to hear how you first got interested in UFOs what brought you into this crazy world that we're in
1: My dad, my dad got me into UFOs when I was probably like six or seven. Like I always say six, but I'm not 100% sure. So I, I would say when I was at least six years old, he showed me this photo of a UFO that he ended up seeing. Uh, when he was in I think his early 20s he was driving up north with a group of friends to uh, this cottage that they were going to and they all pulled over the side of the road there was a whole bunch of different cars pulled over as well and they ended up seeing this light that's like hovering above the sky and or above like uh, it was like a telephone pole actually which is kind of funny it was it was pretty high up but it was still pretty close to them and uh, they ended up like taking it my dad ended up taking a picture of it. And the guys ended up, some of them were hunting. So they ended up taking uh, a gun out that had a scope on it, not to shoot the UFO, but to get a better pick like idea of what it looked like. So they put the, the rifle up to it and looked through the scope. And then the UFO took down, took off down the street and that or down the road, I guess you would say. And then um, a whole bunch of people saw it. The news reported it. It was a mass sighting. And ever since that, my dad took that photo and showed me as a kid, like it, it just, it lit up everything inside of me. And it was really just something that started that journey along with him trying to figure out what he saw. Um, and then his journey became part of my journey too, which is really cool. That is
0: cool. So what did he, did he have any ideas or impressions about what it was or what he saw? I mean, did he immediately say this was little green men or what? Yeah. What did he tell you?
1: Well, I don't. He he was like it's a UFO. That's what he said. Like it, for no Great matter what, a hundred percent, it was a UFO to him. Uh, and, and that's it. Like he didn't think he didn't think it was aliens at that time. I don't think. I, I think that a lot of them were confused because he saw it with a group of friends too. So they talked about it. And ever since then, my dad never talked about it with a lot of other people because of the ridicule. So we would talk about UFOs, him and I, when I would grow up and even now. But when we were younger, he would say, or when I was younger, he would say, don't talk about it because... You know, people think you're crazy. People think you're, you know, you're nuts and you're a Looney Tune, you know, and and that was part of it. So now it's a little bit different. Like he's more open with it now and talks about it. I don't know how much he talks about his experience, but he talks about just loving UFOs and being into it and... He's, he's proud of it. That's for sure. And my dad consumes so much information on UFOs. And now it's funny because as he gets older, you know, when I was younger, he was teaching me. And now as I get older, I'm teaching him. So I'll call yeah. him and I'm like, did you hear like what, uh, like <laughs> what John Radcliffe said or this and that? <laughs> and for him, he was like, he's like, what? I, I haven't heard that. Or so it's really nice to be able to have that kind of relationship with him where I still get to talk about it. And now I get to update him on what's going on. So
0: that's so cool. You know, the apprentice has become the master, right? It's, you kind of turned the tables on him there. That's so cool. And I know what you mean. I feel like, you know, there's vindication now in the world uh, with so many people who have been afraid to come forward about seeing UFOs or being interested in them. Like you didn't do it for so many years. Like, I kept quiet about having seen a UFO. I wasn't like, you know, making it known to the world that I was researching this. I was writing essays to myself about like Roswell and Area 51 and and stuff like that and not thinking that I would ever share it with the world. But lo and behold, you know, now we're in 2021 and UFOs have never been more in the mainstream, which is something we're definitely gonna discuss in a little bit here but um speaking of area 51 i heard you in an interview say that one of your first ufo conferences was one that bob lazar spoke at and i flipped out because i knew which (laughs) one you were talking about and i was actually the person who put the microphone on bob lazar that day backstage i was so nervous i couldn't believe i was looking at like this guy no matter what you think of him like if you believe him or not if you think he's a total fraud or he did what he said he did with these flying saucers. But um yeah. yeah, tell us a little about your experiences with these UFO conferences. I think people have a lot of preconceived notions
1: about it. Totally. So with the first conference I ever went to, you know, again, I like took my dad and I was like, these are our people, dad. <laughs> he started <laughs> laughing. So I'm like, it was just a place where you know, people aren't walking around in tinfoil hats and and doing that stuff. It was it was a place where we could learn. You could ask questions. You could buy books. You know, independent books, books that have been you know outside of being independently published. And it was a place of community where I felt like I. I was able to talk about UFOs on a different level compared to talking about the same stuff all the time or explaining it to other people. Like it was a place I got to learn. And the conference is just unbelievable. Like there's so many people that go from all different ages. And it's just, it was one of the best things I think I ever found with my father and I, and just our family that went. So, you know, I'll keep going to them more and more. I only go right now to the Arizona one, which is the the Congress one, the UFO Congress. But yeah. I will go to contact in the desert and the rest of them um, because I've met so many people in the community. And it's a way that I want to meet other people that are part of it. And also then just learn ac- other academics maybe that haven't been to the conference that I go to. So yeah, it's it's right. honestly it's a it's a really great community. It is.
0: It is. I know. You know, for as much flack as we give the UFO community at times about, you know, how passionate people are and how either a hardcore believer they are in all this stuff or extreme skeptic. Uh I think yeah. what someone like you or me or the debrief or or people like that do is we meet somewhere in the middle, which I think is so important. And I know that's kind of what you guys were doing with your podcast, Alt Pop Repeat. So could you tell me all about how that came to be? And I guess ultimately, how it kind of infused your UFO work as well?
1: Yeah, that was actually a start of it as well. It kind of, it went together as one. So What happened was, um, Marie uh, Nicola is a good friend of mine, and she's also my co-host on the podcast. She's an amazing co-host. The one thing I love about Marie is that we don't always agree on stuff, but we're able to discuss and find a common ground, and we also teach each other different things on the show. So All Pop started where um, Marie and I both, I said to her, I'm like, do you want to do a podcast? And I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time. Like it's been in my peripheral to do it and it been in my head. So she said, yeah, let's do it. Um, And she came to my place with like a pad of paper. And we came up with this concept of alt pop repeat, where um, we talk about how countercultures and alternative cultures um, become, or we use a word called sync into mainstream pop culture. So how does something like the cannabis movement or LGBT rights or drag, how do these countercultures become mainstream pop culture? So her and I, you know, started this road. And she said to me, she was like, do you want to go to LA to do our first interview? I'm based in Toronto. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So we like jumped on a plane. We flew to LA, you know, we found people that we knew, um, like George Strombo, which is a really well known talk show host and care former talk show host in Canada. So he was one of our first interviews. And then I said to her, I was like, ufology, like, I obviously loved ufology. I'm like, it's an amazing counterculture. I said, I met Jeremy Corbell at a conference, obviously with Bob Lazar years ago. So I said, let's, let's see if Jerry wants to do an interview. So I pitched Jeremy to be on the show. Um, And we totally, I totally forgot I had a cell phone number because I met him that time and we exchanged contact information and we totally forgot. So he liked the concept, said he would be on the show. Um, and then I met Jeremy in person and built, like started a relationship as a friendship with him. And then, you know, we ended up talking a lot about UFOs and I just, it was a, it was one of the perfect times where, you know, and Elf, I should say, Marie actually said to me, she's like, you know so much about UFOs, Chrissy. Like, I never knew that about you. And I said, well, yeah, like, it's, it's like something that I research and and talk about with my parents and my dad and like, and some friends that like it. And people know that I'm part of like, like ufology. Um, But I don't always talk about it with everyone that I that I know. And I'm not always that vocal with it. So that was really the start where um after the podcast, it put me into like this, the space where I was like, you know what, maybe I should talk more about this and I enjoy it so much more and I love the community. And then a good friend of mine, Victor Vigiani asked me part of a a UFO podcast called uh, the new frontier network. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be. And so it just started to trickle down that way. And you know, and it was a time where I was able then to be able to talk about UFOs in a public relations point of view, because that's what I do every day. So for years, I would have Victor Vigiani and all these other people in the UFO community would ask me, like, can you be a publicist for like UFO topics or things like this within the mainstream media? How do we get to the mainstream media, Chrissy? And I would say, well, you know, I love my job. Um, I have to be careful because mainstream media, you know, years ago was not picking it up. So, slowly as things started to come to be, you know, the mainstream media t- started talking about it. It was a perfect time when I started talk- being on a podcast, a UFO podcast. And then I was helping other people within the community um, and really being able to use my public relations skills in combination with ufology of stuff that I like. So, it was, you know, it's good timing, I guess, part of that. Um, right. And yeah. Well, and, it, and it's, and, it's and that's where we meet with the debrief. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah, you're right. I, I should yeah. have, I should have mentioned. Yeah, that's kind of what led you to the debrief as well. Um, well, I guess let's um, let's rewind just a little bit because you bring up so many good points, especially with um, kind of seeing ufology as um, a brand. Like it's important in you know marketing again, something that you do uh, to have people like that in the field. I think is uh, exciting because we're so used to being a subculture where we talk to one another in these echo chambers on UFO Twitter or, you know, the days of AOL forums with like, you know, UFOs, conspiracies, but it has changed and UFOs have seemingly gone mainstream. So I'd like to get your opinion. When do you think that happened? What was like the turning point where it was like, wow, New York times, Um, I mean, look at this week, CNN, Fox, it doesn't matter which mainstream media outlet you follow or watch. uh, There were UFO stories all this past couple of weeks. So when do you think that point truly was when uh, UFOs started to really go mainstream?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of catalyst moments that really push it into mainstream. You know, Bob Lazar's conversation started in the early 80s, helped it, but it didn't it didn't tip it over and there's been tons of times where UFOs have been in the mainstream, like, you know, life magazine, <laughs> when we talk about Betty and Barney Hill, like there's so many different moments, but the most I think that pushed it into popular culture recently and had the masses really start to understand what ufology means and, and that you in taking UFO seriously, I would say for sure is the New York Times, you know, 2017, I believe, um, you know, Leslie Keene, you know, Ralph Blumenthal, like all of those journalists that are pushing towards having ufology and the understand and getting obviously the pentagon to even speak about it you know those are real catalyst moments that pushed it in and then i would say on even after that is joe rogan and then the the meme that came out you know storm area 51 raid area 51 so those are really the times that you know i think you had over 5 million people wanting to raid area 51 and knowing about what area 51 is right which is like at that point was not a conversation anymore. And so, and which I find even more interesting is that you're getting this younger generation that's actually understanding what's happened. So it's like a totally other resurgence of, you you know, of ufology, of Bob Lazar's story and what's actually happening. And then people asking more questions because you're also getting this other young Zed audience that's going, hold on what is this like ufology like ufos like i thought that was just jokes that i didn't think it was real like this is and so they're learning a lot more and you're also opening up the conversation to people that didn't even know what you know area 51 was or or any conversation about ufos so that was really I think one of those important times that it happened and Joe Rogan was, is a huge voice for that. And he still is, he's a very Mm -hmm. important voice to push it for pop culture. So a lot of people follow him, you know, and what he says, you know, he doesn't mean that he has all the right information. And that's the time where people like myself or other people that are in the community that have that ability to be able, I'm not good friends with Joe Rogan. They shouldn't be saying that, but in context of being able to, to push different conversations of all different journalists, all different experts to the proper media so that they can get the proper information um, and ask really credible resources and really incredible investigative journalists for information that is, I would say that's academic and also something that's trustworthy.
0: Right. And we know for a fact that things like uh, the Pentagon uh, UFO task force that's going on right here in the United States. We know yeah. that they're actually turning to the UFO community for information, which yeah. is crazy to me. Uh, you know, people like Luis Elizondo, the former head of ATIP telling us, um, you probably are noticing a lot of new uh, Twitter accounts in the whole UFO Twitter sphere. I uh, don't think these are just like trolls or bots These are people in the intelligence community keeping the tabs on the latest information because you look at something like these leaked reports that the debrief obtained or uh, these photos that George Knapp got. These are coming from the task force. This is what they're looking at. And they have no idea what these things are. But when they're out in the public, in the UFO community, full of very passionate people, either thinking it's aliens or thinking it's just a camera effect in these photos or these uh, videos, or maybe they're balloons, it's possible. And the people outside of the government might actually have more information than the actual government, um, which I think is amazing. So I hope to see more transparency and working together uh, in this field, especially as it becomes more popular, which uh, we both see happening, right?
1: Yeah, and I agree. I I want more people to work together because I think that we're all f- kind of going towards maybe all maybe different goals, but I think there is, you know, this transparency that we want and disclosure that we want from the government. And we want an answer. So people might be doing it in different ways, but we're all kind of going down that road of wanting more information, information, wanting truth and want to see transparency. So I think the more that we work together together will probably get us in a proper direction and also put a lot more heat under those people that, that obviously have a lot more information that they can release and tell us. And the more heat that we have underneath that and put a fire under their butt, then we're probably going to get, we're probably going to hopefully get what we want. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, that seems to be what it's taking for the department of defense to acknowledge those three Navy UFO videos that we've been looking at for God, almost four years now. Uh, for them to officially acknowledge them, we had to back them into a corner and say, yo, uh, 20 Navy officers said they saw this. One of them said he filmed it. One said that he chased this thing. Like, just tell us, is this real? And then finally they did because they were forced to. So I think you're right. Things like these movements with, uh, you know, the big phone home happening uh, with uh, Luis Jimenez over at the Unidentified Celebrity Review, or you've got the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies uh, petitioning Congress and saying, here's 50 PhDs who want to help you try to figure out these things you're looking at in these videos and whatnot. Like, let us help you, which I think is so cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I also think that over time, the masses are going to even become more more part of this, you know, as more people start learning, and the louder people's voices are, and the more that they're amplified in mainstream media, on social media, getting other people like Lou Elizondo, that's accrediting other people that have great information, more people that are becoming, you know, accredited journalists, more people that are talking about it, we'll get the the average person asking questions, and we want them to to ask those questions so that they start to put then heat right and then you, once you start getting that effect there's no way that the american government or anyone else can say can deny that because you have too many people pushing towards a movement that want the truth and so i really see that happening more you know i'm i'm really hopeful in the next 5 to 10 years we're going to have way more people part of this and more way more people pushing for the truth and that makes me excited and it's a really exciting time to be alive and also be part of something like this because we're seeing history right now, which I, which I think is unbelievable with, with yeah. everything that we're doing. And one day people will read about this, you know, maybe 50 years from now, a hundred years from now. And, you know, and they'll be like, these, are these are people that, pushed for the truth and people that started it. You know, I have a good friend of mine, Victor Vigiani, you know, he's an amazing ufologist. He's somebody that's always generally pretty quiet and behind the scenes, but he helps all the rest of the journalists and all the other investigators really come to, you know, finding information or asking questions. And he's a mentor of mine in Canada. And, you know, I love Victor to death because the one thing about him is that, he's been pushing for disclosure his entire life and i remember when in 2017 i was on a vacation in mexico And he sent me a text and I've told the story a couple of times, sent me a text when the mainstream media picked it up in the New York Times. And he was like, Chrissy, he's like, are you seeing this? And I was like, I'm on a beach on a vacation finally (laughs) in Mexico. And he's like, look at your phone. Like, look at this, look at social media. And I was like scanning through my phone and I'm like, oh, like I was just like, Blown away and for him and watching how happy he was and all these other people that have been fighting for their entire lives say like we did it like we actually got through. And he's one of those people. Like I would be on emails with Victor, and him emailing, you know, all different media outlets and writing press releases. And you know, he was like one of the first PR people I would say in ufology, because and he was doing it for free because he, I obviously do. I'm not I'm not making moves of money off this. Obviously, him do other jobs yeah, no, in PR. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, nobody <laughs> does right exactly. And they, just so people know that. Um, but it's like for him, it was just a love, you know. So. He was writing press releases. He was pitching media outlets. He would copy me on stuff, and and it was just and seeing that him being able to watching the our community get through was something that I was so proud for him and for everybody else because that w- that was the start of now that's something that's probably going to change the way we look at UFOs and the mainstream media and everybody does in the next coming years, which I think is yeah. really wonderful. Yeah.
0: It's cool. And you're right. I think I look at someone like, again, my mentor, Peter Robbins here in the United States, a very well-known UFO researcher, or you look at someone like Stanton Friedman who fought yeah. for disclosure, his entire 55 year career in like ufology, if you want to call it a career, I guess he kind of did. Um, yeah. But you know, on someone like him, it's so unfortunate that like he passed away. You know, not too long before uh, that big news story struck. Could you imagine like what that would have meant uh, to someone like him? Um yeah. But hey, you know that's what happens. We we I guess younger people. Um, which I'm, I'm no spring chicken, but we are considered younger people in this field. Um, yeah. for them to have that kind of validation of like this has been worth it, we're making strides. Um that that's so cool, you know, that they, they get to see that. And then we get to build off of everything they've done. And like you said, bring it to the younger generation. I mean, the work I do with the, the CW network is for a very young demographic who's never heard of Area 51, who's never heard of the Roswell UFO crash. So when I first got approached about doing a show like that, I was very hesitant. I'm like, why? Why are you covering Area 51? Why are you covering Roswell? And all they had to do is show me the demographic of their network. And I was like, I get it. Cool. So we're educating a new generation to show them what came before so that they have knowledge of what could be coming next. And like you said, yeah. the younger generation is so internet savvy. I mean, you look at TikTok right now and it's just blown up with UFO stuff. My, even my parents are sending me TikToks. My parents Who I didn't think would ever get past Facebook um, are sending me TikToks of UFO stuff. So I, I think it's it's interesting. It's so weird. I never thought I would see this day.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited for the younger generation. It makes me really happy. Like we are part of that. And then there's younger too. And a lot of other ufologists have said to me, like, we're we need to leave our information, our knowledge with people that are younger than us. So then we keep going forward and fighting for disclosure or remember what they were fighting for and the information they have. So we don't forget and, or other information gets like, it's not disseminated properly to us or we're told another story and we start believing a different narrative. So for me, it's, it's important to, to have this. And, and also like the, you know, the podcast that I'm on with the guys and I'm the youngest on the podcast, you know, Mm-mm, I'm just joking. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm the youngest, but it's great because when they asked me and I was like, oh, I love to be because I learned so much from them. That's the other thing. I have a different maybe a younger or different perspective from them as well. and that's why they brought me on was for a pop culture news mainstream perspective of ufology. But for them they have this information that when we get together once a week and we have a meeting, I get to nerd out with them and we just <laughs> talk every Thursday at noon and have a meeting. and it's really awesome because then I learn a crap load from them and I can ask questions and the nice thing is I can make mistakes and I can say like oh I i didn't know that like it's not you know and then they'll they'll end up giving me information we send you know tons of emails to each other before we're doing interviews with guests like it's a really really great obviously like the ufo community is so lovely to be in but with them as well as researchers and people that were investigating I see it through their eyes, and then I learn I learn their point of view, all of their point of views, because there's a couple of us on this podcast, uh, and then worldly point of views, because someone's from Peru, we have somebody from South Africa, we have somebody from the States. We have somebody uh, uh, from two of us from Canada, like we're from all over the place. So I yeah. get to hear their perspective from another country, which is really cool, too. Um, so, yeah, it's I'm just really fortunate to be part of it. And Victor was the one that created this podcast and came up with the idea. So,
0: yeah, what I think is really cool with, you know, what you're doing and Victor and everyone over there at New Frontiers is uh, making this global which I think gets lost in the mix a lot. You know, it seems to be the United States, again, is trying to just be the example for everyone else about the right way to do things. But, hey, look, our government has been pretty cagey when it comes to UFOs, where other nations and countries have been extremely open and transparent with their citizens. So, um, yeah, I think it's really cool that you have someone, you kind of have like a United Nations Of ufologists over there. Um, Would you mind sharing some of the names of the people involved with that, Chrissy? Yeah,
1: like uh, Giorgio's in it. Giorgio's been really well known. Christopher Iverson, that's part of it. Victor Vigiani. Like, they're just, they're just men that are really, really well well-spoken. You know, they, they've been researching on their own for years or working with other people in the community. They're also friends with tons of other people in the community as well, like around the world. And I find that really interesting. Like they brought me into other meetings with, uh, with people that I think there was like 10 people in a meeting once talking about ufology and they were from like France, Germany, like they were everywhere and I just said to them, I was like, "This is the most universal, global meeting I've ever been part of." Um, yeah. And I think that for for them, you know, it's it's important they they do that. And for men that have been doing this their entire lives, they've really created a wonderful network of people that, you know, that. That they they brought me into and, and I got to meet and become friends with as well, but also then rely on each other as resources to get great information. And I think that that's, that's the part that's really important, is that they get to share ideas and they're all looking at, you know, obviously wanting disclosure and wanting, again, I keep saying wanting the truth and yeah. they're talking to each other around the world to have their governments come forward and talk about it. So it's yep. it's really cool. Yeah. Again,
0: yeah. Um, I think when other nations put that pressure on uh, and they are more vocal and open to it, uh, then hopefully the United States will follow suit. You know, I, that's what we can I hope, hope so. for, but um, I have hope, I have hope, you know, that's, But that's the word that I want to ask you about, Chrissy. Hope. Um, We have this report that's due, uh, I believe, June 25th here in the United States, where we're supposed to get what the Pentagon has been looking at when it comes to UAP, UFOs. And uh, a lot of people are super excited and they think this is it. This is disclosure. We're getting what we've always wanted. And then there's those of us who are a bit more tempered and then even probably a smaller fraction who are like, this is stupid nothing's going to happen. We've seen this before. Um, So where do you lay in this whole 180 day report um, of grand disclosure that's going to happen in June?
1: I'm on the side of, I don't think we're going to get a lot. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't, it would be surprising if the government decided to go here is, you know, here's everything or here's a like, I just, we've never really seen it before. So I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe they'll they'll tell us more information but I I'm really not waiting for this, you know. This grand disclosure moment. I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, from yeah. even from other files that we've seen that have been released, it's not like it's always new information. Like it's a lot of information that the community has been researching and looking up and then they've just kind of it's been confirmed. So I just I'm not I'm not saying that I'm trying to be negative. I just don't feel that we're going to get what we want as a community. Yeah. you know, Prepare for just, their
0: worst and I hope for the best. Right.
1: Right. And I think that we're probably going to over, we're going to have to keep fighting for more and more information. And even this is just to start. So this just happening is really great. And I'm thankful that that's happened. And then we'll see how next year is and we'll keep fighting and we'll keep fighting for more information and more disclosure. And I think that at some point we'll start getting things that we want, but I have a feeling it will be spoon fed to us. I don't think it's going to be this Matt. I'm, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: I think that's really all we yep. can do at this point. Um, and it'll probably be delayed as most things in government are. Um, so yep. I'm prepared for that as well. What's up guys, Ryan Spreck here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shout-outs on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you, and keep looking up.
1: J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: There's such a, there's a big gap, I think in ufo research or the ufo community of cool we've got this government thing uh we've got things like the new frontier network um working globally to try to help um i guess guide along those sorts of things uh but then we have this whole other part of ufo lore and ufo discussion that's um i'm just gonna say it it's 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 sensational. Let's go with that. Um, Whether it is contacting ETs, um, the CE5 movement, um, alien abductions, close encounters. These are cool stories. And don't get me wrong. I'm all about them because I love stories. Uh, But there is a big gap between what's going on right now in the mainstream with UFOs and another large portion of this topic. Um, so do you think there's a place for it in this mainstream discussion as we move forward when it comes to alien abductions, um, you know, using your mind and consciousness and yoga and all this stuff to try to uh, vector in UFOs or talk to aliens? Like, Where do you lie in all that?
1: That's is a great question, because I think a lot of people wonder that and we listen to all these different narratives that are coming out. I sit on the side where I would like science and academia to work alongside ufology, you know, and ufologists and start proving it through science and academia. The reason why I say that is the people that aren't interested in UFOs or don't believe will start to look into it and have a better understanding because it's talking to them through a narrative they understand. Mm -hmm. So I do feel that that's really, really important. And I think we have to keep asking scientists and giving them the ability to look at this and do it in a way that is approachable for them. You know, we don't put so much pressure. We can't ridicule scientists for thinking something that maybe we don't agree with because we've been doing it for so long in in the industry. So I think we need to make space for them and room for them to to collaborate. But I also think that at some point, When we look at the abduction stories in the cases, you know, we have Travis Walton, we have Betty and Barney Hill, we have a lot of contactees, you know, um, Zimbabwe, the aerial school event, like there's, there's a lot of different conversations around that. And I really do believe though, that the government or somebody or us have to start having a larger conversation at, at one point in time. Maybe right now is not that point in time, but I think we do need to discuss because there's been a lot of, we can't ignore that there have been abductions or different types of contactees, moments and experiences where UFOs have been involved. So us just ignoring that and pushing it away is... is is I don't feel is the right thing to do. I think we really need to have that conversation at one point in time. And it does need to be brought up because as disclosure keeps happening, you can't just say, well, forget these people and what they're doing because for them, we don't know what's really going on. But for them, it's real. And we need to give space to that and open up for them to be able to have a place to talk about it without being ridiculed and looked at it in a a, a different light at some point in time. I don't know exactly how I personally feel because I've never had one of those moments, but I could imagine being that person that's had an experience and having no one to connect to or no one to talk to and so for them it's real and that's what's important and there has to be a space for them to be able to talk about it and then when we come to a better consensus of what's going on maybe we'll be able to understand improve that through academia a little bit better so I think at some point we'll get there we're just not I don't think we're there yet but maybe one day we will be yeah
0: I I that's such a good point. I think we need to we always should look at disclosure as a process. And you know, it's not gonna be this huge thing dropped in our lap immediately and then like that's it. Like this is a big thing. This is probably the biggest question we've ever asked in our lives, other than, you know, what happens when we die? Um, <laughs> is there life sure. out there? And has well, it? Leslie Keene is
1: trying to figure that out right now with Bigelow. Exactly. <laughs> Thetically. Right,
0: which is crazy because, again, these two are tackling two of life's biggest mysteries. So I respect them highly for doing that. And they both think that they might be interconnected, which I think is another big pro- part of what you said. This process of we're not quite there yet. Like there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, mm-hmm. We're lucky to have people like Rizwan uh, Verk or uh, Deep Prasad, these, these individuals who look at things like quantum mechanics and uh, how this could play a role in all of this someday. But again, like that's so 20, 30, 40, 100 years down the line that we're focusing right now still on grainy UFO videos from the Navy. Like that's the best we got. So yeah. we got to work with what at. we have. That's where yeah. we're at. And, um, and some people might think that's good. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. You know, it's going to take time. And like you said, too, these abduction stories and close encounters, there is a place for them. I mean, clearly, that's what my books have been about. I clearly um, think there is something to it. And I've always been asked, you know, do you believe all these people that you write about when that they were abducted and everything? And I try to tell them it doesn't matter what I believe. Like, I'm just getting their story out there because nobody else will listen to them. And no one else will take them seriously. So I at least want to that give them that outlet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for them, it's real. I I agree with that. And I there's nothing wrong from telling a story from a different perspective. And you don't have to believe or believe, but it's it it, it's this form of journalism where you're telling people because these stories are real to them. And there's been a lot of them. It's not like it's just, you know, there's just this is the one story that's been told that's a, a tale that's been told over centuries. It's, it's not like that. It's happened multiple times. So we need to give space to it. And one day, you know, science and academia might prove and might have a reason. For what's actually happening. The other part, too, is that the beautiful thing about the UFO community is that right now, and with the government, we're looking at something that most people call paranormal and it's a paranormal event, right? It's the, this phenomena. So now this paranormal is actually having more of a mainstream conversation and the government's having it, which is like even more of a, a, a bigger conversation. So we're opening the door that maybe in the next X amount of years, these other normal para, other paranormal uh, conversations will start be having real academic conversations too. Maybe ufology is the beginning for that. Um, And I I hope so, because people are having experiences in multiple different ways, not just ufology. So we can't just ignore it. And to be honest, if one, it's like I say with UFOs, and a lot of people say this too, you know, if one of them is real and one abduction or any of it, it makes it real. You don't need a million, you just need one. So at some point, I hope we get to a place where we figure it out of what's actually going on overall. But you're right. We have to start with grainy videos first and prove that through science and what we know and then grow. As our technology grows, we will grow with our understanding and our ability of, you know, and our lexicons will grow too. We don't have even the right words to explain sometimes what's going on. So as we start, right, or even our science can't keep up to that. So as our science develops and we start creating a different lexicon around it and being able to prove it, then maybe we'll come to a point where we can start proving other things things that are attached, connected to ufology or UFO sightings in, in general.
0: I, I love that. Oh. You know, a good friend of mine, Greg Bishop, wrote a book called It Defies Language. And it's all about UFOs because it, you're so right. Like, we just we're not there yet. We don't know how to describe these things we're seeing. I mean, two people can be at the same UFO sighting and describe it completely differently, which is cool in one way, but it's frustrating when you're trying to get hard data uh, but you're right. Yeah. Like perception plays a big role in this. Language plays a big role. Um, You know, your belief system or the lens in which you look through at that UFO event plays a big part. And uh, oh, it's just there's UFOs represent everything, which I think is the coolest thing.
1: You yeah. Know, but- history,
0: language, religion. It covers everything.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I've said, like, if we have to go to if there is a course one day, hopefully, because ufology you can be a ufologist there, but there's no academic school that you can go to. So maybe one <laughs> right. day there will be a place where people can go and learn about ufology and and become a ufologist and have a whole bunch of, you know, and have to maybe a couple degrees because this is why you need a community because understanding physics, aviation, culture, uh, like there's just so many different spaces that you have to be an expert to explain. Like if somebody asked me, like Chrissy, can you explain how this UFO is moving? I'd be like that that's not my forte. I'm like my forte is media and mass media and understanding like how media is disseminated, how to be able to bring more light and attention to this topic along with culture, you know, and working within a community and watching how people work together. Like those are my places. My place is not the place to talk about aviation and physics cuz like trust me, that's not my place and you don't want my opinion on that because I like, it's just it's not my expertise. Um the other thing I think is really interesting about this community that I, that I also find. And I, I've said this a couple times too, that, you know, we're fighting and I've said it to friends, maybe not so much on interviews, but we're really fighting for something that we don't know anything about. And like, we don't know what the end cause is. And we're all, we're all doing that. And to me, that's really interesting because most people, when they're fighting they there is, I guess this really end understanding of what they're fighting for as a movement we're fighting for truth which is one thing i do see and we're fighting for this disclosure and and humans be technology and lots of other things but we don't know what it really is you know we, as people right now i don't know what the government knows that's for sure but as us as a community we know and i find that really interesting that we're always we're all going towards something that is really unknown to us. Like it is a phenomenon and you don't get a lot of group of people fighting for something. They don't really know what the end cause is. Like, does that, do you know what I mean when I say that? Like we're fighting for a mystery. Um, Yeah. We're fighting
0: for a mystery and we're fighting for uh, our own reasons. You know, I always tell people, yeah, of course I want like the truth to come out, but I'm not like, I'm not molder. I'm not trying to prove (laughs) that there's a shadow government pulling all the strings and they're working with aliens. I'm not even into the UFO field to prove that UFOs are aliens. Like I don't even try to connect the two. I try to keep UFOs completely separate from the question. Is there other life? Um, But I'm in it for my own reasons as you are, as so many other people are, they want answers and they want to find meaning in why they're interested in it and why they got involved or maybe why they had an experience. You know, like a lot of people don't want these things to happen to them, but it did. It fell in their lap and they were forever changed. So, um, Yeah. yeah, I think it's a very personal journey.
1: Yeah. And why we're so connected to it. I ask myself that a lot and I ask other people the question, like, what brought you here? because I find that really interesting. What's their motives? Why, you know, you don't. a, you don't, if you just love it and you're interested, that that's wonderful too. That's a great reason why like there, but I'm curious to see, cause everybody has an individual experience or story. Yeah. That brought them to this community and they play a role in it. If it's just researching, interested, supporting, you know, investigating there's so many things, but there, there, there has to be more common thread to us. And maybe one day, you know, a psychologist will do an analysis on everybody in the community and then they'll tell us, what well, we all, we all get along at times and so, some do, and some don't, but why we're all doing this um, because it is interesting. And the one thing that I see that's, that maybe not for everybody, but from a lot of us is like, I always say is really want to know the truth, obsessed with knowing the truth and, and having an understanding of what's going on, but overall wanting to know and, and really enwrapped into, into and knowing the story telling the truth and the government telling us like there there's something there to that. Um, Would you say so? Or do you find that other people might have other reasons?
0: I, 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 again, I think it just, it varies so much. I think there's people in the UFO field strictly for notoriety and um, are less than honest about what they're doing. Uh, yeah. I won't name names because I think everyone kind of knows who I might be talking about when it comes to that. <laughs> um, but yes. th- again, I think there are people who just want uh, to trust their government, which I think is a big issue, especially here in the U.S. right now. Is um, And look, kind of the UFO, modern UFO era started with a lie and a cover-up in Roswell. Like, yeah, we don't, we still don't know what it was, but we damn well know it was not a weather balloon like they said it was. So, I mean, what do you do when the first kind of documented case, at least here in the U.S., kind of started with a lie? So I think people want to hold their government accountable and be like, yo, like, tell us what's going on. We deserve it. We are the ones paying you, and you're here to work for us. So I think there's that part of it. Um, And then, like you said, I think a lot of people just love chasing a mystery. And I do feel that's why I'm in it. I don't care what the end result is. I I I think either I'm going to be thoroughly let down if we ever do find that answer or it's going to be something so wrong uh I I am going to be so wrong about what it was that it's just going to like blow my mind. Um and there's probably not one answer to what UFOs yeah. are or aren't either, you know.
1: I agree. I think that we're probably we think we're going in the right direction where we're like, we know what it is. And, you know, and, and it's probably not. And the funny thing is that we see through culture throughout multiple years from the fifties, the sixties and the seventies into now, the concept of what a UFO look like changes, you know, it was like a flying saucer, you know? Uh, and then we move into, you know, uh, triangles. Like we still have triangles and then we move into orbs and then we move into now pyramids. Like there's just, there's so many different shapes and we do see that as we move over decades and decades that the shapes in our culture, it does change. So are we, are UFOs a reflection of us in our time? Like it's, you know, and I know i I know that I'm not the only person who's, who said that. And there's tons of articles are about that, about what does that mean? Like, and, and I have a feeling that it probably won't be something that we thought it would be. I also just don't think we have that ability yet in the lexicon in the science. And I keep saying that is because we don't have enough information to back what we're seeing. And maybe one day we will. And again, it probably will be something that we never even thought of.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. If it's octopus, from other planets, I want nothing to do with it because that is not the <laughs> yeah. answer I'm looking for. Um, but you're no, mad. I think you're right. Um, this topic, this question says so much more about us than whatever it is we're dealing with. I think you're right. It is reflective of us, our, um, our concerns, our hopes, our dreams, um, and our issues that we face here on our planet. Like that's yeah. why when nuclear... You know, weapons were first being manufactured or, you know, yes. we're, we're going to Vietnam. That's why in the 60s and 70s, we had this contactee movement of aliens coming here and saying, you got to shape up because you're going to destroy your planet. Like, it's, it's a good, I guess, conveyor of a message we should be following anyways. Kind of like religion. Like, you look at any of the major religions and they kind of all have the same core meaning. You know, do good and... um spread love and it'll come back to you. Um, So I think, yeah, I think this topic is reflective of that as well. It's us striving to be something more. Um, And we look at these tic-tacs and pyramids doing unbelievable things that we know humans are not capable of yet, uh, but we might one day. So I, again, I think it's us aspiring to be something and maybe that is what we're dealing with when it comes to the, the alien question.
1: Yeah, I'd love to talk to people that obviously we can't talk to someone from, you know, 1910. But I would like to talk to as far back as we could get and ask them from all different periods and decades and in and compare them and say, when you saw a UFO, what it looked like? What was going on in history? What happened? What was your feeling? What was it like? What was it like? What did everybody think about UFOs? Um, and then keep going down that line every decade or every five years and read about it and see how the culture was along with what they were seeing. Because I think it'd be, and then come to today and where we are and reading a whole bunch of stories of that would be really, really interesting. You know, and even asking someone like Robert Salas, you know, Robert, like, when you were on that base and that happened to you, you know, a, your, your feeling of that. And then what was the sentiment around the world? Like that was a scary time. And for him being on that base, when all of those missiles were activating, like I can't even imagine no. how that would feel. And so talking to all those different people that have had experiences from all different variations and degrees and all different decades would be a really interesting cultural well, you know, comparison, and then where we see where we see we are today. And then the reflection of society going on in that time, because I think we learn a lot more about ourselves, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do think you're right. That's why UFOs seem to change throughout the decades, I think, too, is because each kind of decade has a new approach and new issues they're dealing with, whether it's politically, economically, religiously, um, all throughout the world. So yeah, I think you're right. I think this just, it's such a big, broad topic, and we're just trying to piece the puzzle together. And uh, I don't know if it is a solvable puzzle, but we're going to keep trying. Um, well, I have a couple of listener questions, Chrissy, if okay. you don't mind. I know you yeah. got to get going. Um, I talked way too much during this, so we'll <laughs> no, go I rapid fire. Okay. Um. So Dan, Dan Z., Uh, who runs the Zignal Twitter account and um, awesome dude. I've got his stickers right back here if anyone's interested. Um, He wants to know, um, if tasked with rolling out disclosure, kind of what we've been talking about, how would you market it and distribute it as someone who comes from, you know, sort of a PR background? How would you market disclosure to the public? For
1: who? For the government? Working for the government or working for who? What side am I on? What's that? That's... that's how about both? <laughs> Perfect. Would you have two different um,
0: approaches from government and then like, I don't well, know. I, I would guess hope that it would be public? the
1: same. Well the difference I think between because it depends if you're rolling out disclosure you would be the person working within the government as the communications director. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was Susan Go uh doing you know working with the Pentagon and and doing disclosure, you know, I'm very much for people knowing the truth, so I don't know how much they would like me, but let's just say I was. Um I would probably start to to figure out obviously with mass media and have a conversation and a narrative that obviously it was positive as much as we could tell the truth that wouldn't scare the public. Um, I also think telling people that, you know, you believing in UFOs is okay. And it doesn't mean that you need to give up your religion. You doesn't mean that you have to change your job. It doesn't mean that you have to move from your city or country. It doesn't mean you have to stop what you're doing. This is something that's part of our life that we need to now just look at, And understand and probably have some kind of, I'm not going to say comfort, but some kind of overall understanding that this is part of it and we're trying to figure it out. So I would start there. And then later on, I would keep, you know, obviously talking to media, educating them what's going on. I think giving all different types of mass media and specific journalists can that ask really great questions. And then also educating specific journalists about this topic, because the one thing that I see within mass media is that when these journalists come to people like the debrief and like Tim McMillan and a lot of other journalists is because there's like a vault of information that we've, <laughs> that, that you're like, they think sometimes I think journals might think they're coming into maybe some of them, if they're new are coming into this topic and they're like, Oh, I was worried right about UFOs. And then they realize like, there's so much content and so much history around it. And you just have to get through all of that. So you start in the, in the beginning of UFOs, and then you go all the way down to, to from like centuries of conversations of it, or just articles, experiences. So maybe giving even just crash courses into To specific journalists and telling them and explaining to them what were those pivotal moments that happened in history that really came to this conversation and then where we are today and if i was lucky enough to work in communications i would love to prove that some of these stories that people have been ridiculed their entire lives are true and giving them that that light that's never going to happen in the government. That's what I would love to do, um, because it would open up a little bit more of transparency and trust. But again, there's probably tons of reasons why the government won't do that because of, you know, you can't ridicule someone their entire life <laughs> and then be like, yeah. "Sorry about that." Um, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but I think that 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 there's a tons of places I'd, you know, that's it's a really hard question to answer, but. I think it is because there's so much to go with it, but I think that's where I would start with. And then having media and talking about it and then with media talking about it and having a better understanding um, of where we're going. And then hopefully having people ask more questions and being able to answer it. But I think mainly is telling people that it's okay and starting there. So we don't freak people out Um, and they have a better idea of what's happening. And maybe that's what they're doing now. We don't really know. Maybe they are in their speed food, you know, they're doing this type of disclosure to us that's very very spoon-fed right now um mm-hmm. but that's that's kind of where i would start um but there's yeah. probably i would love to hear other people's actually like i would love to hear how they would feel disclosure would be rolled out i would love to know that yeah yeah it'd be interesting has their, yeah everyone has their. it's a great question It really is. yeah yeah
0: it was a good one thanks dan um well you said um kind of going And, um, you know, at the debrief, it's boldly going and uh, rebelliously curious. So uh, Teresa wants to know before we go here, Chrissy, um, how did you come to work with the debrief? And um, is there going to be more episodes of rebelliously curious? And what is it? Tell us a little about the show that you have going on at the YouTube channel and whatnot, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. So I remember when the acorn photo dropped from the debrief. And I'm like, who is what is this debrief? Who is this debrief? I have not heard of these people. Um, like, obviously, the them there's a website like Tim McMillan and the rest. But I'm like, what is this website that's going on here? So that's where um, and then <laughs> I messaged you, Ryan. It was like, I saw that you were working with them. So I asked you, I'm like, what's going on? And you gave me a little bit of information. And then I saw MJ. Uh, I I followed a lot of people on social media. I added them on Facebook because I'm just that much want I want the intel in the community. And uh, I saw MJ put a posting up and said, we're looking for contributors, writing contributors. So I sent him a note and I said, I would like to work with you guys. Like I'd like to contribute, um, but I like to do it in a, in a video context or podcast kind of context, because that's where, you know, that that's more of my medium. And he said, yeah, he's like, well, we need someone to do like tech videos and updates and stuff. And um, so him and I came back and forth with a concept and he was like, how we were going back and forth with names and uh, to name the show. And he was like, what about rebelliously curious? And I said, yeah, I'm like that, like totally fits into who I am as a person and also what I would like to do with the debrief. Um, And my, there will be way more episodes. Hopefully the show will grow where, you know, um, I get to maybe one day get to go into the field and get to learn and be one-on-one and be curious even more into topics that I want to learn more about and also So have people, you know, follow along with me, you know, and, and learning with me. And I think the most important thing for me is that when I do these videos is that making it approachable and making it that it's easy to understand and and people, you know, they, hopefully they enjoy it um, and are able to grasp science and technology and defense and UFOs so that it's easy to understand and it's fun to understand. And it's something that, yeah, is approachable to them. So th- that's really my goal is to make science tech in that and and make it so that it's easy to consume and people want to learn more. And that's, what's important to me. And, and that kind of, that's a very similar narrative to the debrief. And that's why we, we, you know, I fit within that community, I feel. And, and Ryan, you're part of that. You know, it's making journalism and making these topics approachable and fun rather than stuffy and old, <laughs> like some, yeah. some outlets, you know. And that's what I love about the guys is they understand that and they understand how to talk to the community as well. And also giving really, really, really wonderful stories and um, and articles and, and proof. Like, it's just it's it's one of the probably the best websites that started independently that really does you know will hopefully be be something a lot larger than what it is now but it's growing every day and honestly i'm just i'm really happy to be part of it it's a really great space to be in
0: cool i i would have to agree you know i approached the guys and said hey i don't know if my writing's up to par for what you guys got going on with your standards but um I'd love to give it a try. And, you know, I've been so lucky to get like 10 articles published at this point with many more to come as well, as many more of your episodes to come. And I think you're right. Like it's, we're trying to make it accessible because a lot of this emerging tech and disruptive tech and science and all this stuff, it's intimidating. And I can't even pretend to really understand some of the stuff that I'm writing about. So it's cool to have kind of your show that when we write an article, you can then expand on the articles and uh, make it more digestible. Because I think, again, like, this is about getting everyone involved. If we're just writing, like, science babble that only a couple, you know, um, quantum computing scientists are going to understand, like, why even bother? Like, they have their own outlets for that. So, yeah, I think it's really cool what you got going on at the debrief as well. Thanks,
1: Ryan. And vice versa. Like, I just... I think it's so important because you people, I think are like, Oh, I'm not smart enough to like this, to be part of science and tech and all of this. And I would tell myself that narrative for, for years. I'm like, I'm not smart enough, you know, (laughs) to, to go to school for that. And then I realized, I'm like, no, Chrissy. I'm like, these are things that you enjoy. And maybe you might not understand the mathematics around it, but you like the theory of it. And that's what's interesting. And, and being able to make articles or people to write articles and make videos that I can say to somebody that I can explain it to them while I'm reading it and breaking it down and finding that education point that's easy to understand is really important because you don't have to be a rocket scientist to like science, tech and defense and all of this. You can enjoy it and be somebody who likes art. You can be somebody who you can be anybody. It doesn't mean you have to be a specific person. And I think a lot of people are scared of reading those articles because they just feel like they're maybe not up to snuff or they don't feel that maybe they're not smart enough to be in that community and it's like no you're not you're allowed to be part of this and you're allowed to have an interest and it doesn't matter what education level you're on and i think yeah. that's if we keep pushing that forward then we'll get more people into the community that are liking science and thinking that it's cool and we'll getting a different generation that wants to learn more about science and tech than they do about the kardashians no offense <laughs> kardashians <laughs> But to me, yeah, you know, they're big I, fans
0: of Somewhere in the Skies, so exactly, no offense, exactly ladies. Sorry. exactly.
1: Yes. You know, like that's my, you know, and that's my hope. You know, and and maybe it's a little biased, but that that's why, um, th- that's why I, I'm really happy to be part of a community that wants to to make it easy and digestible for people. So
0: awesome. Yep, learning—that's the key word. So, yes. in closing, Chrissy. Um, where can we learn more about everything you're up to? And uh, yeah, give us all the socials and uh, websites and where people can find you.
1: Yep, for sure. Uh, they can follow me on social media at MissVocab Vocab. M-I, it's right down there. <laughs> M-I-S-S-V-C-O-V. Um, you can also go to altpoprepeat.com uh, to listen to our podcast. We're on all streaming podcasts as well. And then you can go to the debrief.org. Uh, you can pop over to their YouTube page and you'll find my videos that come out every Friday at two o'clock called uh, Rebellously Curious with Chrissy Newton. So yeah. And I love talking to people on on social media. So tweet, DM me, do all those wonderful things because I will always talk about UFOs or other topics with you.
0: Yes. Have a conversation. I love it. Well, Chrissy, I got to thank you. I know you're going right to another show after this. You're popular today. So, um,
1: I know, (laughs) I know,
0: I know everyone go to clubhouse, go to the debrief clubhouse, hang out there. It's a really fun time. I've done it a couple of times now, but, um, thank you. Thank you for coming on and just having a conversation. I think if more people did that, like, this community could come together instead of, you know, you're wrong, you're right. Um, and everything in between. So thank you. Thank you for coming on somewhere in the skies today.
1: Thanks for having me, right.